I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of Townsville, the Bindul and Wulgurukapa people, who have been stewards for tens of thousands of years. I pay my respects to Elders past and present and thank them for their enduring legacy, resilience, wisdom and custodianship. This is Weekend Birder. If you're new to the podcast, you've just joined a community of thousands of people around the world who tune in each week. Welcome, I'm your host Kirsty Costa. You and I are in for a treat today because we get to hang out with Richard Cordukes. In the 1988 Seoul Paralympics, Richard won a silver medal in the men's 4x100m relay and a bronze medal in the 4x200m relay. In 2000, he was presented with the Australian Sports Medal and received the legend status from Wheelchair Sports New South Wales. And, just over 30 years ago, Richard became a birdwatcher. I was travelling around Australia and I'd been from Brisbane up to Cooktown and then I came back down and went through Melbourne and then I went over to Tasmania. I hadn't sort of birdwatched, I'd mucked around with binoculars and things. It was in Tasmania and I, I was travelling and someone had given me a, a bird book for a gift. It was the, the Morecambe one and um, a parrot flew in and I went, oh my God, what on earth is that? I've never seen that. That must be rare. And I looked at it and I thought, I'm going to look up the book. Maybe that was the moment, I think. And uh, I identified the green rosella. Uh, That was fun. And then it just went from there, I suppose. After about a couple of years, I'm thinking, I can't call myself a bird watcher yet. But in my head, I probably was. And then out came a lake and snipe and I went, oh my goodness, isn't that unbelievable? What have I created here? And it was so exciting. (laughs) The Latham Snipe was one of my spark birds too. We've got an episode coming up about it in season two. Richard is in a wheelchair, but that hasn't stopped him from going on some epic birdwatching adventures. In this episode, we're travelling back up to the top end of Australia to hear about Richard's favourite species and birdwatching spots. He says that you would be silly to miss out on a trip to Kakadu National Park in the Northern Territory. I got to Darwin in um, April, I think, or May, and the season was perfect. You know, there's no more rain and it was easy to get around. Well, it was easy to, to function without it being filthy, stinking hot. Darwin was fairly flat in my wheelchair, and I sort of looked around Darwin a little, and then I thought, strike me pink, everyone goes out to Kakadu. And um, I was talking to some of the other travellers, and they were saying, oh, yeah, Kakadu, Kakadu't and all of that, and I'm thinking, oh, look, I'll go up and make up my own mind. So I went out there, and I just got addicted to finding these birds. I mean, every day I'd go out, and there'd be nine or ten new birds, and I'd come back, and I'd try and identify them, and I'd struggle, and struggle. it was really hard, and I'm think I'm getting really frustrated, which in some ways is a good sign. I, I was getting up early and coming back at 10 or 11 o'clock in the, in the morning and I was really tired and it was pretty hot. I'd get in and yeah, lie down and look up birds and try and remember and work out how to, how to identify them, what to look for. I mean, everyone goes on about Kakadu and can I get around there? Well, probably not, but I thought, well, I must be able to get some places. So that was what my attitude was. I've got to be able to get in somewhere. And, you know, I started finding birds. You know, I wanted to throw the book away. I was getting really frustrated. And in the end, I thought, oh, well, why don't I try and join a bird club? 
So I found a, the Darwin or the Northern Territory Bird Observers Club, and I found a bloke who was working for the council, and he said, yeah, I'll come out with you, and his name was Mark Gardner, and he is just an unbelievable bird watcher. And I remember the first time we went out, I identified nine birds in one day. I went, you're kidding me. And of course, every single one of them were like this. You know, the first time I'd seen them. And so, I don't know, it just got more and more addictive there. And getting down and close to the water, you had to be careful of crocodiles and, you know, dangerous rivers. And, you know, just getting around there was tricky. You know, that's where it really got me. I mean, I was hooked by then. And, and it was all wheelchair accessible, even though they didn't have the signs. I just went in there and worked out, you know, you're going down the path and you don't know where you're going to get stopped, you know, by a mud or a tree or something or other. And you'd try and find another bird and then another one and another one. It's absolutely worth it. Absolutely worth it. Yes. You can find out more about birdwatching in Darwin and Kakadu in episode 57 with Dr. Amanda Lilliman. Every year, birdwatchers from around the world head to Western Australia or the Northern Territory in the hope of catching a glimpse of the Gouldian finch. This bird has also captured Richard's heart. Just a magnificent bird. It's just beautiful. Uh, I remember the first time I saw it. Such a special moment. It's purple and yellow on the chest and breast. I'm going to get corrected for all the um, wrong terms I'm going to use, but never mind. It's green on the back. There's a little bit of light blue down down on the rump. It's green on the back. It comes with three different face colours, the yellow, the red, and the black. Purple and the yellow are the dead giveaways. And, you know, that finch beak that it has, and um, just vivid colours. And that finches behave quite differently. So, you know, they're often in grass, and they'll eat grass seed, or they'll often come down to water. So, yeah, it's just... Beautiful colours of the bird, I suppose. And, you know, when you're there and you, and you find it, you think, does that bird know what an impact it's having on my life? Does that bird know what impact it is having on my life is a question I also ponder regularly. We need a whole episode on the wild Gouldian finches, so please get in touch if you want to come on the show and talk about them. Every birdwatcher has at least one bird on their list that they've never seen despite their greatest efforts. It's that bird that everyone seems to see easily, but yet the cheeky bugger always manages to stay hidden for you. Richard has one of those birds, the mangrove golden whistler. It's incredibly difficult to uh, to separate from the golden whistler, and they cross over in habitat, and I've been looking for it in Broome, and I heard it. I never found it. You know, I was going out on tours and finding all these people, and you know, saying, can you show me where this might be and can you give me a couple of tips on this? And I never found it in Broome. We ended up in, in Exmouth with two backpackers who I'm still in touch with. They were giving me a hand to set up camp and they wanted to borrow the car this day. And I said, yeah, yeah. I said, what do you want to do? They said, oh, well, they want to go for a big bushwork walk. And I said, yeah, yeah, right over, off you go. But get up early in the morning and I need you to drop me at this bird hide. So they did that for three days in a row. You know, I was absolutely determined at the uh, mangrove golden whistler and never did. And, oh, it was just went on and on and on. And after three days, I thought, oh, you know, that might have to do me now or might have had to move on somewhere else. Western bowerbird flew into the mangroves. And I went, you're kidding me. I'd, I'd never even imagined this bird. You know, it was 
you know, I was I'm looking for a, something completely and utterly different. And in flew this bird, and it had the little crimson or turquoise patch on it for the back of its neck. And I went, oh, my God, what on earth is that? Again, it, another map mode that I'll never forget. It was awesome. Richard went to find a mangrove golden whistler and ended up seeing a western bowerbird. Ah, the joyful uncertainty of birdwatching. There are eight species of bowerbird in Australia, and the western bowerbird is only found in central Australia and inland western Australia. And what Richard is describing is the small pink crest on the back of its head. It kind of looks like it's gone and dyed part of its feathers pink. The western bowerbird's stocky body, round head and long neck are covered in mainly brown feathers that are marked by spots. Its underbelly is yellow and its long legs are feathered at the top, which kind of makes it look like it's wearing trousers. Go find photos of it on the internet and enjoy. Here's what it sounds like. Delightful. (laughs) And if you want to know more about the mangrove golden whistler, which sounds quite different, head back to episode 39. One of Richard's latest adventures was to a national park in outback Queensland near Longreach on the country of the Mayawali people. The latest adventure was pretty special. Went into Diamantina National Park. It's chattel country out far west of Queensland. It's where all the big rivers flow in, and I've been desperate to get out there. And Well, if I don't try and find the night parrot, then I'm never going to find it. So let's go in there and see what I can do. <laughs> Thank goodness for NDIS in that I, I can take carers or support workers out there with me. So I've got a Land Rover Defender, a really old one, and I've built a um, caravan, which is pretty off-road and, well, just about bulletproof. Anyway, we went out there, and I was looking, obviously, for the night parrot, but I mean, it's unbelievably difficult to, to even hear one, let alone find one. But I knew that there might have been some letter uh, wing kites. Yeah, they're a desert bird. And, and yeah, again, really exciting to go out there and just find anything. And, and we found the letter wing kite straight up, and there was about 12 of them there, and just so exciting. And it was blatantly obvious they were all flying around. But, but just getting in there, you know, you're in dirt, you know, like in bulldust. In a wheelchair, you, you know, I mean, you can be in, you can get into a lot of trouble. And similar with Southwest Tasmania, I went down there to find the orange-bellied parrot a few years ago, and you know, I'm certainly not the first, and I won't be the last. And and you, but you just think it's such a special moment to be in there and to see a bird like, well, a letterwing kite or you know, the orange-bellied parrot. People were just so excited about me going down there, and but you're never sure until you get in there. I could have got into southwest Tasmania or anywhere for that matter and not been able to move at all, you know, maybe only, you know, a few metres. And, uh, but that's all right. You just sit in the bush and see what you can find. <laughs> for those people not familiar with the letterwing kite, I've done some research for you. And holy moly, this bird has so many fun facts. It looks quite similar to the black-shouldered kite, but it's a lot rarer. It has red eyes and a white head, tail and belly. It's mostly pale grey on its upper body, and it's called a letter wing kite because of the distinctive black W shape across the underside of its wings. When perched, that W looks like a black shoulder patch. It's the world's only nocturnal kite, so you won't see it hovering during the daytime like the black shoulder kite. It's mainly seen in the dry regions of Queensland, South Australia and Northern Territory, but sometimes it'll fly to a coastal area if there's a good food supply, like a mouse plague. In his previous stories, Richard made light of the accessibility issues that he faces as a birdwatcher who uses a wheelchair to get around. But in reality, it can be really tough. 
In the world of wheelchair access, which is where my expertise is, I don't believe you could ever have a perfect scenario for everybody. All we need is someone who is designing a path that might be a little more friendly so that we can get in, get access into it in a better way. Um, but there are places that you just would never be able to get to. I mean, I, you know, I've got dreams of Antarctica, but they're wild, wild dreams. You know, would I be able to get off the boat or would I just have to stay on the boat the whole time? You know, I've been out bird watching on boats and yeah, the world is not wheelchair accessible, but if people just have it in their heads, use some common sense. I mean, I've seen ramps up at um, Cape York, a beautiful ramp that leads right up and into a beautiful wheelchair accessible toilet. But at the bottom of the ramp, there's three steps. I don't know if it's bureaucracy or what it is, but it gets frustrating sometimes. <laughs> My dream one, I, I suppose it's pretty simple, just getting out into the mangroves. I love it. I've got aspirations of going into the Simpson Desert. I don't know what I need to do to make that wheelchair accessible, but I know that I'm going to have to take it one, maybe two people so that I can just get around, you know, like I, so that I can move. I mean, you never, what do you do with sand? It's like the beach, you know, if you, you put mats down, but you can't put mats over the whole beach. I think you just have to have an attitude of, well, I'll get where I can, but I'll give it a red hot go. I think that's the uh, that's my dream, you know. To just give that a, that's the way I look at it. To try and fix things up, you know, you'd just be consumed. It's never going to be perfect, but you know, hopefully, people are using their common sense and they're announced to to say, "Oh, well, this isn't wheelchair friendly," or you know, whatever else. For Richard, the effort it takes to go and see some of Australia's most beautiful, rare, or charismatic birds is all worth it. The thrill of being in whatever habitat it might be. The thrill of being inside a rainforest or in a desert or on a boardwalk in a mangrove. Even walking down the strand or pushing the chair down the strand, goodness knows what you're going to find. It's a touristy spot and yet all these birds are here and you just got to go and find them and I think it's just immersing yourself in that, well, in the habitat. It's something that I never dreamed of. And uh, here it is all happening. If you would like to find out a bit more about Richard's birding adventures, ABC TV has made a short film about him, which can be found on YouTube. I'll put a link in the show notes. Despite facing challenges as a person living with a disability, Richard's dedication to birding knows no bounds. I'd like to thank him for sharing his love of Northern Australia with us. He's made me really think about how I might be able to play a more active role in making birdwatching more accessible for all. Hey, before you go, have you found me on Instagram yet? I only ask because I've been making these identification guides after each episode. So if you're having trouble following along with our verbal descriptions of birds, search for Weekend Birder to see images and get handy tips. Speak to you soon, birder friend. Bye.